So um, if you've got your Bible opened up to John chapter 9, today we're going to be reading this story. Um, and I'm just going to read through the passage. I know that's a lot on there. Don't worry, we're going to read some verses and then kind of break it down. Uh, I mean, I've actually just picked out some what I would call great one-liners in this passage of Scripture. All right, things that just I read and I go... That's just a cool word right there. So you can use it later if you're talking Bible with somebody or just to dive into it a little bit more um, when you get home. But it's a beautiful story about Jesus healing a man that had been born blind. So let's pick up in John chapter 9. Let's just read verses 1 through 7 here um, at first. It says, As he pressed by, he, Jesus, saw a man who was blind from birth. And his, this is Jesus' disciples, asked him, Rabbi, Because that's what they called Jesus. They called him Rabbi, which is the Hebrew word for teacher. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works. That's the first thing we're going to pack a little bit. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming. When no one can work, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he, Jesus, spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Some interesting lines in this. The first one I'll look at is that first simple phrase, Jesus said, We must work the works. We must work the works. Now, Jesus' disciples got the privilege of being with Jesus in the flesh. So he would say, do this. And they heard him audibly, maybe gave him a high five on the way out the door. Like it was very, very clear. We're in a different camp. We're led by the Holy Spirit. But y'all, I pray that everybody in this room, everybody listening this morning wants to do what God wants them to do in this world. I would hope that all of us want to live out our purpose What are we here for? Why did God create me? What is my reason for existence? And what we find as we get older is that doesn't go away when you turn 18, 19, 20, 21. I know folks in their 70s and their 80s who are asking, what does the Lord want me to do? What is the Lord calling me to do? How am I to work the works of the Lord while I am in this place? We must work the works of him who sends us, which is the Lord, until Jesus comes back. Who sinned? The disciples asked. This man or his parents? In Jesus' day, most of the religious folks thought and believed that if someone had an ailment or a struggle, they had that ailment or that struggle because of something that they had done or their parents or grandparents had done. They were living out some of the consequences of the sins of somebody nearby. Now, we all know if you sin, there are consequences. Amen? There's consequences to sin we got to live through those things. But Jesus does something really cool here in that he says, no, 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 it's not about who sinned, but it's about what we're going to be able to do in the lives of this sinful place. Jesus is doing a paradigm shift. He doesn't even address the question of who sinned, this man or his parents. He just jumps right over and goes, no, 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 we're here to work the works of him who sent me. Why? I think one of the reasons is Jesus knew that one of the greatest ways for someone who was sitting in a struggle was for someone else to meet them where they were, get on their knees and love them in that moment. Jesus says, you want to be like him? Work the works of the one 
who sent him. This is the only miracle in the Gospels in which the person healed was afflicted since birth that we know of, as far as I know. Everyone else, it doesn't specify since birth. But this guy, it says, this joker's been blind since the day he was born. Apparently, he was well known because before they even get close enough for the guy to say, hey, it's Tom. We don't know his name was Tom. It'd be really cool if it was because it'd be the first Tom in human history. But maybe his name was Tom. He didn't say, hey, y'all, it's me, Tom. Remember the blind guy? Before they even got close enough for anything like that, the disciple said the question, asked the question of Jesus. So he said, Jesus, this blind guy coming up, he's been, born, he's been blind since he was born. Who messed up, him or his mom or his dad? So they knew the man before they even had the chance to talk to the man. The Jewish people connected suffering with sin. And Jesus reminds his disciples, just as I believe he reminds all of us today, that any suffering in the world is a God-given opportunity to demonstrate the glory of God in our lives. Anybody ever suffered? You, I don't want to, you want to raise, let's raise our hands. Let's, let's do it like old school time. Have you ever been through a moment, even like a 30 second, all right? You've had the good life. I get it. Might want to go that way. Like we're, no, we're not going to throw rocks. That's a different church. But like if you've just, maybe you've suffered even for a little bit. Anybody ever been through like even, let's say, say 20 seconds of suffering, would you raise your hand just for a second? Okay, we well, got company. Two things. One, if you are currently in a moment of suffering, I want you to know that you are not alone. There are other people in this place who know you, want to know you, and want to love you where you are. And two, there's a chance that you are suffering because of something you chose to do or chose not to do. That's, that's on it. But I believe the first conversation that the Lord has with his children in the midst of suffering is, I'm here for you in the midst of this suffering I'll sit down and make some mud. We're going to work the works. Now, I, I know the Lord. I'm trying to get to know him better every day. What I have found is usually after he meets me in a moment of, Lord, I'm suffering. He says, hey, I'm here. This is just me. Usually a day or two, maybe a week or two later, as I continue talking to him about whatever I've been through, this is just how he talks to me. There's usually a time when it comes up and he goes, he doesn't say it like this. Kids cover years. Well, dummy, you know, like he doesn't call me dumb, but you think, Every now and then he goes, what did you think was going to happen? When my kids hurt themselves, you ever seen a kid hurt themselves on accident? And you look at him and you go, that's going to be bad. Four days ago, four. Driving in the truck on the way here. My boys are playing, let's punch each other in the back seat. That's the name of the game. Sounds like it's going to go up. I said, boys, someone's going to get hurt. Please stop punching each other five seconds later wow wow right what did i say knock it off not in this truck like i told you not to do it i warned you not to do that something was going to happen sometimes those suffering moments are kind of small okay we can work through this i think in those moments yes there's a chance the holy spirit might go wow that was a that was a bad decision bro like we're gonna figure this one out but there are other times when you hear the cry of a child and you know that something more than just i got punched by my brother you know talking about the the cry of you don't even ask you just get up and start running towards them in our household the first questions usually by the mom because she's better at this thing in that moment are we are here what can we do let's assess this let's get involved and then after the tears after the hospital, all the stuff, that's usually when we get into, now how did this happen? You know what I mean? This man was born blind. We don't know why, but we do know the name of the one who healed him, and his name is Jesus. 
And Jesus said, more importantly than why this man was born blind is the fact that he was about to have an encounter with the living Savior. And that would radically change his life forever. So if you're in the midst of a suffering today, I want you to know that I fully believe Jesus himself is doing his best to have an encounter with you in this very moment. Will he address the sin if there's sin? Yep. But will he meet you where you are? Absolutely. Jesus is not waiting for a better version of ourselves to have a relationship with us. He wants to have a relationship with us as we are and then mold us into who we will be in him. To help someone who needs help is to manifest the glory of God as it is to show what God is like. So we must ask ourselves this morning, if you're in the midst of a suffering, what might God be calling you to do? How can you work the works if you're the one in need of a touch from the Lord? It starts by just saying, Lord, I need a touch from you. I need to hear your voice. If you're currently in a season of life where you feel like the Lord has equipped you to help someone else, to take note. Lord, who in my life this week needs help? It's a simple question, but I promise you this, America would be better if more of us woke up every day asking ourselves that question before we ask ourselves a lot of other questions. Lord, how can I help someone today? Who in my life is in need of someone to stop and take note of who they are and what they're going through? How can you and I work the works of God before next Sunday? We need to make important decisions. Jesus says in this passage, we need to make important decisions while there is still time. For in his disciples' time, he says, y'all need to work the works while the sun's still out. It's about to get dark. Now, he was talking to his disciples, preparing them for him to go to the cross and the grave and ascend back into heaven. Jesus has already done the ascension into heaven, but now we're waiting on something else. It's called the return of Christ. And one day he will return. I don't know when that day is. Soon and very soon, it could be any day. But we know and trust that it's promised it. And if Jesus promises it, it is going to happen. Which means, church, that you and I don't need to wait until next year or next month or next week or even tomorrow to do the thing the Lord has laid on our heart. Do it now. Let's not put off for tomorrow what can get done today. A lot of times we use the verse about worry. Like, oh, worry. With any action, if the Lord's laid on your heart to work the works of something he wants you to do, choose to do it while there is time. So in this story, as we're opening up, the word of God, which in this story could be spit from the mouth of Jesus, mixed with humanity, dirt from which man was created, provided the basis of a miracle. When the Lord has an encounter with his children, a miracle can happen. The passage goes on to say in verses 8 and 9, the neighbors, all right, so remember, this, this joker's, what's going on? The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar, were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, nah, it just looks like him. And the man kept saying, I am the man. All right, so this guy is blind since birth, sitting on the side of the road. Jesus and his boys come up, make some mud, put on his eyes, go wash in the pool of Siloam, miraculously healed. Those documentations aren't listed for some reason in this passage, but we know that the man is healed because the word starts to spread and lo and behold, everybody's not buying it. For just one second, actually for the rest of the sermon, imagine that you're the blind guy, all right? 
You've been miraculous. How old was the guy? We don't know. He was at least old enough to, in my mind, he was a late teen or at least early 20s. That's just me. It's not biblical. That's just where I am. His parents were still alive, so he wasn't too old. Knowing that he has just experienced the greatest moment in his life, and his neighbors and friends begin to say, no, I just looks like you. You think he wants, what kind of reaction is that? And the man kept saying, he continually said, it's an active forward motion of to you, he said it to you, he said it to you. He said, Everywhere he was going, people were saying, I don't think you were really born blind, were you? And he kept saying, yes, then I'm the man that was healed. I'm also the man that was blind. The second phrase I want us to get, it's a very simple one, is I am the man. All right? Now, we live in a culture where we can go around and say, I'm the man. You know, I say that to my kids. They're like, no, you're not. I'm like, just make me feel good about myself a little bit. Yesterday, we were at the Georgia game. It was wonderful. Thanks. It was fantastic. And this guy walked by. I noticed that he was tall, but I don't point out every tall person in my life, but my kids do, especially my oldest. This guy walks by, tall, lean, handsome. My son looks at me as a 37-year-old father and says, hey, dad, when do you, when do you think you're going to be that tall? And I said... Give me that Coke. I'm not buying you any Coca-Cola. We live in a world and in a society and a culture that tells us that we are to go around as loudly as we can and tell everyone that we are the best we could possibly be. I'm the man and nothing going to stop me. I'm the woman. I'm the best looking. I'm the smartest. I'm the fastest. I'm the best. I'm the fill in the blank. I'm it all by myself. And the scripture, hear me, is totally contradictory to that. The gospel is the exact opposite of everything I just said. This is the gospel. This guy is saying, I'm the man, not in and of himself, because in and of himself, he's a blind beggar on the side of the street. He said, I'm the man that was healed by the Lord. That's the gospel. I once was blind, but now I see. We're about to get there. He says, I am the guy that Jesus touched. I am the one that had that experience. This poor guy had to convince his friends that it really was him. Church, if you've been a follower of Christ for a long time, or you've just been a follower of Christ for a few days, or you're thinking about being a follower of Christ, I want you to know there will be people in your life who will choose to not believe that God really has done what he has promised to do in your life. What do we do in those moments? We continue to claim our identity in Christ over and over and over again until he returns. Somebody, please hear this. Who you are in Jesus Christ defines you more and for a lot longer than who you are as you are defined by yourself or by other people. Jesus always gets the last word. So this guy's saying, I am the man. And I'm not trying to make fun of the dude. One day I'll meet him in heaven. I'm excited about that. But like, can you imagine what this guy looked like? He's never seen before. He doesn't know what his friends look like until they speak to him. Can you... Can you imagine for a little bit, like little Billy, let's say Tommy and Billy, that's some stereotypical name, like Tommy and Billy, Tommy's been blind since birth, every day since birth, Billy's come by and said, hey, Tom, I got your back, bro, we're not going anywhere, we're going to get through this thing, you hang in there, here's a quarter. What if, it's not in the Bible, I'm just wondering through the story, what if for the first time in his life, Billy comes up to Tommy and goes, Tommy, wait, you can't be Tommy, Tommy can't see. And Tommy's like, Billy, bro, it's me. Made up little added kind of thing in there. But have you ever had a Lord do something in your life that other people just can't handle? Trust in the Lord all the more. The scripture goes on to say in verses 10 to 17. 
So they said to him, okay, you really were healed? Explain it to me. The world hadn't come up with anything new in 2,000 years. Give me some scientific fact. So he answered, okay. This man, they call him Jesus. He made some mud. He anointed my eyes and he said, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed. I received my sight, period. He's like, that's all I got. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been formerly blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus had made the mud and opened his eyes. which was about to get Jesus in a little bit of trouble with the Pharisees. So the Pharisees asked him again, how, okay, so how did you receive your sight? And he said to them, okay, he put mud on my eyes. I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such thing? And there was division among them. So they began... Again, ask the blind guy, what do you say about him? Since he's opened your eyes, and he said, he's a prophet. Third line I want us to get is just a fun one for me. Jesus made mud. Isn't that good? Jesus spoke the universe into existence, and he made mud with his spit. I know we want to get more theological and deep. That's fine. There's a lot of things in this. But y'all, we got to camp out there for a little bit. Remember last time you played in mud? If you're an adult and it was yesterday, don't raise your hand. We don't. That's nobody's business. We got help for you. Like Little kids. Kids love mud. Jesus loved kids. Jesus made mud according to scripture. This man is choosing to give Jesus the credit and glory for what he had done, even though he didn't fully understand everything that had happened. If you are a follower of Christ, that is one of the best things we could ever do is to continue to give God the glory for everything he has done in our lives. The devil wants every one of us to change from saying, I am the man in Jesus Christ to I am the man all by myself. That usually begins to happen when we begin to say, I am, I am the man. I, I did earn this. I did do this. Y'all, we've got to give God credit first for everything that he's done. Some people will say, some people have said to me and maybe to you, well, where is Jesus now? Y'all, have you thought about how crazy, I'm sorry, let's be honest for a second. We got a few minutes. How crazy our faith sounds sometimes? I mean, I believe it. On Christ, the solid rock. I mean, I'm not going anywhere. But have you ever, like for real, think about that for a little bit. We talk to a grave that is empty. His followers were extremely poor, All of them were murdered atrociously, except for one who died by himself on an island in isolation. And yet we pray multiple times a day. Some of us, I pray all of us, are dedicating our lives to this God that we've never seen in the flesh, that has promised to return, that as far as I have studied in human history, Every, we're not the first one, every generation since his ascension, his promised, his return would take place in that generation. And yet I'm hearing people today, do I believe he can come back? Yes. Do I believe he's going to come back? Yes. Why do I say these things? I'm a preacher. Y'all, these are real things. I have real conversations with real people that ask me real questions. How can this be? And you know what my simple answer is? And maybe I'm naive. I'm like, I don't... Jesus just made some mud. Like, all I know is that he changed my life. 
And then when I pray, it's not like talking to this thing here. I'm talking to someone, and in my being, I feel and experience someone talking back to me. This guy's going around saying things, and some of us might be in that camp. You've been in church a while. Why doggone it? Why didn't these people believe? They didn't understand what was going on. Why does so much of the world not believe? Could it be that some of them just have too many questions? So we have to ask ourselves, Lord, how are you preparing us to answer the questions? This guy didn't get fancy. He just stuck to the basics. How are you healed? Uh, some guy named Jesus. How are you healed? I don't know, he made some mud. How are you healed? He told me to go wash it off and I'll see. Like, he just kept sticking to what he knew, which wasn't a whole lot. And it was exactly what the Lord wanted him to do. Where is Jesus now? I know where he is. And I know that one day he's coming back for me. Pharisees asked the same question. He gave the same answer for the second time. Again, Jesus healed on the Sabbath, which was against the law. He was beginning to get into trouble. Verses 18 to 23, the story goes on. It gets crazier. The Jews didn't believe that he had been blind and received sight until they called his parents. All right, So they get mama and daddy of this dude who had received sight and asked his mama and daddy, is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he see now? His parents answered, we know this is our son. Sure enough, that's our boy right there. And yep, he was born blind, doggone. But how he sees now, look at their answer. You know, I don't know. I don't know how he opened his eyes. And look at what they say. Ask him. He's of age. He's a man. He'll speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that anyone who should confess Jesus to be the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. The next line I want us to look at is that phrase where they say he will speak for himself. You ever been in a season of life where you had to speak for yourself? Maybe mom and dad didn't back you up like you thought they would. A spouse didn't back you up like they thought they would. Your siblings didn't back you up. The, fill in the blank. Boyfriend, girlfriend, best friend, government, whoever, IRS, like, they didn't back you up like they thought you would. I've been in times of life where I had to speak for myself. That's not a fun place to be. Again, I can't imagine being the blind guy. His friends have come through. Y'all, this is his mama's voice. Somebody hear this. The first thing he ever saw his mother say over him was, let him talk for himself. I don't know. Can you imagine being this kid? He's like, mom, dad, where y'all at? But mom and dad were too afraid to speak on his behalf. So he, as a man who's been seeing for no more than 30 or 45 minutes, said, all right, I will have to speak for myself. I've got nobody. Please hear this. Jesus loves finding those who have no one else to turn to in being the sole provider in their lives. You want a radical spiritual transformation in your life? Find someone this week who has no one else to speak on their behalf and go and speak on their behalf. That is of Christ. So this man is now standing in a synagogue with his friends, the preachers, the religious folks, and his mama and daddy all saying, I don't know what happened. Let him talk for himself. We can't make others listen. Can't even make our parents listen. Believing in a generic God that's out there somewhere floating around the universe is very safe. Hear this. If you're a university student, if you're a senior adult, if you're a kid in kindergarten, you can claim all day long, all day, every day to believe in some type of higher power and the world will clap and celebrate that. 
Because we need positive energy. We need good vibes. We need people to think positive thoughts on our behalf. But hear me, church. You start claiming the name of Jesus Christ, changes a little bit. They didn't care that the man was healed. They cared more about who had healed him. Maybe we should start asking ourselves, why is the world so against Christians and Christianity? They're not against the rest of religions. Well, it's a pretty simple answer. We're the only ones that have the truth. This devil's not afraid of other lies. He's afraid of the one in whom we have believed. So I encourage you, if you feel like you're speaking for yourself today, continue to speak for yourself. Continue to claim who you are in Jesus Christ. Because as the story ends up, he takes note. Verses 24 and 25, beautiful verses. So now for the second time, they called the man who had been born blind, said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man, talking about Jesus, is a sinner. He answered, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. Look at this line. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. That's a great line to write down and remember. I was blind, but now I see. Do I have all the answers as to how I got to where I am today? Nope, but do I know the one who got me here? Absolutely. I was blind, but now I see. Y'all want everyone in this room, everyone that's hearing these words to be able to say to someone else this week, all I know is that at one time in my life, I was going this direction and these kind of things were happening, but now I'm going this direction and these things are happening. I can't explain all the details, but I know I had an encounter with something whose name is Jesus, someone whose name is Jesus who radically changed my life. If all this guy had to say for the rest of his days was, dog, I was blind, but now I see that's all I got. Have you noticed that that's all Jesus ever wants? So many times in scripture, that's all people are saying Man, I met this guy named Jesus, and he changed me. He healed me. He moved me. Gave me purpose. We all were blind by the sin that was in our lives, the things that separate us from God. But when we have an encounter with Jesus, y'all, he changes the way we see things. One, he gives us eternity and grace. But he also he changes the rest of the world around us. We see things differently after we have an encounter with Jesus. If you were ever in a place where you feel that you were blind, but now you see, I want you to celebrate that and thank the Lord for it. But I ask you today, if you've never had an encounter with him and you feel like you're still not blind, you can still see pretty good, but the rest of it hasn't happened yet. Let today be the day that you choose to say, I want to see, I want to believe. The story goes on in verses 26 to 34. It's a lot of passages here. We're going to read through this. They said to him, what did he do to you? How do you open your eyes? All right, now imagine, all right, this guy's been born, he was born blind, he sees now, he's had this cool miracle. This is, the, this is like, he's getting irritated. Anybody ever gotten irritated a few times? All right, like somebody, you might, you might need to knock it off. That's where this guy's getting to, all right? He's getting close. Friends have backed out, church folk have backed out, mom and dad have backed out, he's getting frustrated. So they go through the same set of questions again. Look at him, my, boy, my guy. Look at, I told you already. And I know we're supposed to read scripture like, I've already told thee and you would not listen. I don't think that's how it went down. I think it was more like, y'all told you. You wouldn't listen to me. What do you want to hear it again? You want to become his disciples? Look at him, he's swinging. You want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses for, as for this man. We don't know where he comes from. The man answered, why this This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. The scripture goes on to say, we know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began, 
This is the blind guy talking. Never since the world has began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a blunt man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And look at their response, which is beautiful. You were born in utter sin, and you're going to teach us, and they cast him out. You know why they cast him out? They didn't have anything else to say. Blind dude was wrapping it up. You were born in utter sin is their response. Second to last thing I want us to remember is that we were all born into utter sin. That's all they had to throw at the guy. He's having a fun, in my mind, if the friends and the mom and the dad and everybody's still standing around, maybe at this point they're going, okay, something happened. Like, this is legit. I'm never, I mean, I should have brought a cup with some money. He's on the ground an hour before with a cup, not seeing help. (laughs) And in the same day, he goes from help, somebody help me, I can't see, I can't walk. There's no medical assistance. We don't have stuff like that yet. He goes from that to shutting down everybody else in the temple. And all they had to throw at him was, you were born in utter sin. You're nothing but a sinner. Y'all, we were all born in utter sin. It's like, so if somebody throws that at you, we can go, amen. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? Sinner, amen. Like, that's it. Had a guy, the Jordan, he was preaching yesterday. You, some of y'all saw him. Some of y'all got kind of close to him, got to know him a little bit. Said, Everybody's in sin. Yes, but those of us that have been in sin that now see know that Jesus can take us in our sin and do something that we can't do on our own. This, I think, was the straw that broke the camel back. The man knew he was a sinner, but now he was a sinner that could see. That's good. The man knew he was a sinner, but now he was a sinner that could see. We've been asking folks to share their stories of miracles in the last few weeks, and I've gotten so many. So if I haven't gotten to yours, we're going to try to work these in as we continue on. But I want to read this one from a friend of mine, Mr. Skip Ramsey. He's right over here, um, who shared this with me just a couple of weeks ago. Dear Danny, this is Skip Ramsey, friend of Kath of the Wan. I wanted to share one of the many miracles of the Lord in my life. After Thanksgiving 2016, I went to the emergency room. I had been bleeding all night through my nose. I had kidney failure. Since 2010, I'd been the caregiver for my parents. My mom is a cancer survivor, and my dad, a no-complaint diabetic. The caregiver was worn out. I did two and a half years of dialysis. I'd expected that either God would heal me or he had a plan for me. The Reader's Digest version, which is a good line, the Reader's Digest version I have an angel who is a friend. His name is Greg, and he gave me one of his two kidneys. Greg, my donor, has been a family friend for almost 50 years. When his father died several years before, I wrote a poem about him and gave it to his mother. I was renting warehouse space and office from Greg and his five brothers. Greg had stopped by my office several years after his father had passed. I happened to have C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, so I gave it to him, told him to read it slowly. His wife, Leslie, and three girls were followers of Jesus. He wasn't quite on board yet. The girls and Greg were praying about giving me a kidney. I'd gotten wind of that and was going to tell Greg that I just couldn't take it. He was going to be a grandfather soon. Greg is eight years younger than me. He said he was at his mom's and had forgotten about the poem. He read it again and said that God told him to give me a kidney. When Greg called to give me the news... I said I wasn't taking it, and he said, 
you introduced me to Jesus and eternal life. And I'm going to give some of your mortal life back. Of course, I fell on the floor with joy. Everything went just as God had intended. The operation was September 24th, 2019. It was nothing but blessing since then. There were so many times and timing events that happened to pull together. Only God could have made this happen. After coming out of my post-op, I was in great pain. Then the pain went away. Y'all, I was suspended in a beautiful blue sky. It was the most beautiful sky I'd ever seen. I said, God, this is beautiful. This is it. Take me now. I was in his hand. And then he said, the most peace. Uh, then he said, you can't. You're all hooked up to tubes and monitors. <laughs> this is good. There's a whole lot more to this story. I'm sorry, that was when I, uh, the most peaceful, amazing, wonderful thing I'd ever seen. When I was back in the bed, a nurse came in and asked if I, I asked her, I said, did I leave? And she said, you can't. You're all hooked up to monitors. That was a good conversation. That nurse is like, I don't get paid enough. She's like, this is too much. It's like, yeah, I don't know what you want. There's a whole lot more to this story about Greg and his family and my family that's amazing. Doctors, chains of events. But I know that only our God could orchestrate a miracle like this in his grip, Skip. So I want us to know that, y'all, as we finish out this passage, it says, they told the guy, you were born in utter sin. They kicked him out of the church. You know, one of the greatest things we can say to someone else who was born in utter sin is, me too. So was I. But I met a guy who changed my life forever. They cast this man out of the church. His friends have betrayed him. This is all in one day. His church folks have betrayed him. His mom and daddy have betrayed him. They kicked him out and tell him, do not, you are not welcome in this place. And these next verses change my life. As the story continues, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir? That I might believe in him. And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. The last thing I want us to take from this passage and skip story today is that Jesus found him. And he said, Lord, I believe. Church, this guy, when he met Jesus for the first time, we don't even know if Jesus spoke to him just says he made mud, put it on his eyes. And he did. He said, go wash your eyes off. He had never seen Jesus before. I like to think that maybe Jesus mixed his voice up a little bit, you know, so he wouldn't recognize him. But y'all, it says that Jesus found him. When everybody else had left him, Jesus found him. If you are waiting for someone to find you, I pray that today is the day you accept an invitation from Jesus himself to say, I want to find you and know you and live with you and tell you who you are in me. When he explained this stuff to this guy, he said, you want to believe in the son? And the man said, yes, sir. What's his name? And he said, I'm right here. And the man worshiped him in that place. One day, I will have the chance to worship Jesus at his very feet. Scripture says that I will be able to touch the nail-scarred hands. 
And for the first time in my life, I will hear the voice that I've only heard through the Holy Spirit so far. And he will introduce me to the saints. He will introduce me to the Father and the Spirit. But I know that before I get there, there are times of suffering and struggle. So I want you to know as a church body that we commit to following Jesus together in this place, to claiming this, Jesus has found me, and he wants to find you. And all he asks is we say, Lord, I believe. I got this. Of the Lord's timing is the praise, the praise team. Y'all can, well, I'll, I'll read this, then we'll come up. From Taylor Yancey just now, her daughter's Mackenzie. She said, good morning. Thank you all so much. I wanted to give you an update. They've taken out the breathing tube this morning, and they've stopped all sedation. Mackenzie's in and out, pretty uncomfortable, but she's coherent and aware of what's going on. The CT scan they took this morning looked good so far. They'll do another one later today to make sure the brain has not done any swelling, praying hard for her little brain. Let's continue to pray for this family. Surround them, love them. But also allow the Lord to use this as a reminder, there are people, not as many that are blind physically around us. There are some. But there are people in our paths this week who feel as if they're sitting next to the road with a cup asking for help from everyone. And a lot of people have told them what they've done wrong. A lot of people have told them how dirty they are. A lot of them have told them how sinful they are. A lot of people have given up on them. But they're waiting for someone to come by and say, I was just where you are. And I will get down in the mud with you. And help you up, help you get washed off and follow Jesus together. Because Jesus chooses to go out and find those who don't know they need to be found. And he invites us to be like him. Are we willing to be like Jesus this week? Let's pray. Uh, Lord, today we thank you for your faithfulness and for your promises. I thank you for being a God that meets us where we are. And for choosing, Lord to love us before we were able to say, Lord, I need you to love us. In this room, and as people hear these words this week, we know that suffering is real, that trials are real, and pain is real, because we've all been through so many things like that. But Lord, we know and claim and trust that you are greater than all of those things. If there is anyone in this place today that needs someone else to pray over them. They don't want to leave this place today before they have someone else look at them and say, we're here for you and with you. And when they come down front as we sing this next song, they can reach out to me or my wife on the way out the door. I don't want anyone to leave this place feeling alone, but knowing that they have been found by Jesus himself and that Jesus invites us to worship him. Lord, this guy probably still had mud on his clothes from the spit that Jesus made in the dirt and he worshiped because his life had been changed. Lord, I want to worship you in a way that's new and fresh. I want to leave this place challenged to seek out those in our lives this week who are in need. And Lord, if there's anybody that's in that camp in this place today, let them declare for the first time before they leave, I have been found by the living Savior. And I choose to worship him for the rest of my days. Lord, we were all born blind spiritually. But now, thanks be to God.
we have all been given the chance to see. We praise you for doing what only you can do, Lord. In Jesus' name.